Next on BYUSN, Cougar basketball off a huge win at home over Baylor, but has their toughest road stretch of the season ahead. What's the key to having a winning mentality on the road? We'll discuss BYU's recent big victory with the man who called it. ESPN's Roxy Bernstein joins the show. Where would he seed BYU if the NCAA tournament started today? And BYU has had multiple players decide to return for another year. So what is the deepest position group on BYU's roster as of right now? And we'll chat with BYU's wide receiver turn tight end, Keanu Hill, about his decision to switch positions and return to BYU for one more season. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, February 22nd. I am Spencer Linton. He is former NCAA college football video game wide receiver, <laughs> Austin Colley. I believe you were BYU wide receiver number nine, right? Number nine. <laughs> Now, okay, so the most important news of the past couple weeks. We're coming out of the gates with the big stuff. Big stuff. NCAA. Yes. 2025 mm -hmm. video game. It's back. Set to be released this summer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Players can opt in mm -hmm. for $600 and a free copy of the game. Come on. If you're a player, are you opting in? Uh, yeah. I mean, if I don't opt in, then I just say kiss $600 goodbye. Yeah. And you know every college football player wants the game because they want to play at some point as their own likeness on the game. Okay, so, so here's my thing, though, okay? The players that are currently would be in the game now, uh -huh. do, since they haven't had it, right? Like, uh -huh. I mean, when's the last time NCAA came out with a copy? 2014, 2014 it's, right? It's been a decade. It's been a while, right? So they didn't grow up with the game. So I don't know if the appreciation is there. That's the one thing that does worry me, right? I mean, as a, as a, as a player myself, dude, absolutely. $600 and I get to be in the game. I get to see my name. Yeah. Like a lot of players aren't going to be able to do that because a lot of players aren't going to make it to the league. This is their one chance. Yes. Hopefully they make a smart decision and they have appreciate, appreciation, kind of like a, you know, a, 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 a holy kind of uh, <laughs> adoration for the game, okay. as we all do, who grew up with it. It might take a little while for yeah. these new generations. It could. Sometimes they just don't get it. They don't. Okay, but let's rewind. Did you and your brother Zach and even your little brother Dylan, did you, did you guys play this game against each other? Bro, do you know how many fights broke out <laughs> over this game? I'm serious. <laughs> Things got heated in the Collie household many of times. You know how many times I switched off that game before – the clock hit zero, <laughs> just to say, you didn't no, no, no. beat me. You didn't beat me. Didn't beat me. <laughs> I'm still undefeated. Okay, controllers flying. Oh, yeah, we played again. That is awesome. Absolutely. Shout out to your brothers, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Good dude. Still undefeated. You're still, you've never lost. No, not once. <laughs> never let it hit triple zeros. Never. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I don't doubt it. All rise and <laughs> shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. You know what? As much as Baylor wanted to let uh, or hit the reset button for the clock hit triple zeros in that game against BYU, they couldn't do it. Couldn't Th do it. Doesn't work that way. BYU gets a huge win, but now Austin, this surging Cougar basketball team once again riding a wave of confidence after knocking off the number 11 team in the country. Heads back out on the road for the Sunshine or the Sunflower State rather swing against Kansas State and Kansas. Undeniably tough for sure. Nobody wins at Fog Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas, and very few win at Kansas State. 
You are a man with some unique perspective. You have prepared and played in several tough, hostile road environments. I know it doesn't directly translate from football to basketball, but there are still many of the same principles that you use to approach it as an athlete. So I ask this, you know, lightly, but knowing that there's kind of a heavy answer here, what's the key to winning on the road in a tough environment? If you are the mental strength coach for BYU, what are you saying to these guys? Well, for, first off, starts in the preparation throughout the week, right? Like it is definitely um, when you go on a road stretch or you're playing a couple games in tough environments against tough opponents, uh, you have to prepare uh, or have a unique I guess, approach in your preparation, right? You have to be, and in, and in that preparation, you have to be focusing on being assignment sound and having discipline because that's going to be probably the most important thing to help you get through the obstacles because there will be obstacles during those games, mm. right? Tough environments, loud crowd, okay? Momentum, we've talked about it before. Basketball is one of those games where you can almost feel or touch how momentum changes on the basketball It's court, wild. Right? Like, and it happens rapidly. So there is going to be momentum shifts, being assignment sound, sticking to the disciplines. That is how you're going to push through those obstacles. And then the other thing I'd say is, you know, I always loved playing in away games. Like I loved going up to Rice Eccles and play like those are some of my favorite games. I got to play there twice. Yeah. And it was just because of the sheer hate <laughs> that existed there. The, right? anim the animosity. Oh, I, I, but I loved it. I thrived in it, right? Because I loved playing with the chip on my shoulder with something to prove. And whenever you go into a hostile environment, mm. you have to have a chip on your shoulder because I do feel like that gives you an edge. Not everybody's ready for it. And so if you're dealing with, you know, some of these guys, and frankly, BYU benefits because they are a very veteran team. This is a team that has experienced tough road environments and have played in a few this season, certainly. Uh, most notably at Utah to begin. That was the first road contest, and BYU lost that game. This is a team that also has experienced two road wins at UCF and at West Virginia, but this feels a little bit different because the Kansas teams, they, they just don't lose at home, Austin. So how do you get a team that has, they've had an emotional high against Baylor to channel some of that that momentum and that swagger and confidence and, and take it on the road? Like, what is the key to try and just bottle it up and take it with you? I don't know. Like, in my mind, it's like you either have it or you don't. Like, hopefully, hopefully this Baylor win, you're able to kind of, you know, harvest that swagger. I, I love the fact that you said that, right, because that's what it takes. And I think a little bit of that swagger, like I said, comes with a chip on your shoulder. And, and hopefully – you know, you're able to remind yourself, like, hey, this is what we did against Baylor. They're 11th ranked team in the country, right? We handled them pretty good. Obviously, there was, you know, we didn't start all that fast, but we were able to finish. We haven't been able to finish all year. Um, and so, to me, I, I got to be honest with you. I think that uh, uh, it's one of those things you either got it or you don't. You got to keep it somehow. I don't know how. It's just up to every single player. Okay, I'm going to tell you why I'm hopeful specifically for the Kansas State game. And it goes back to what happened to BYU in Stillwater at Oklahoma State. It felt very much like a trap game, and it turned out to be that it was. BYU played their worst game of the season. They lose to, at the time, the last place team in the conference in Oklahoma State. They give up 93. All these questions are abounding, like, oh, man, has BYU's defense gone away? Like, 
Is this team going to be able to string together another win in conference play? Well, they answered that quickly because they came home and they did what they do at home. They figured it out. They bounced back. Mark Pope says our ability to bounce back is one of our team's superpowers. But I think because of what they experienced at Oklahoma State and rather recently, this should help them. No? Like, it, it, it's a hard lesson, but it's like, okay. And Greg Revell pointed out yesterday, maybe BYU doesn't beat Baylor or play with the urgency that they did if they don't lose to Oklahoma State. Mindset is constantly shifting based on, like, what have you done for me lately? Like, what happened recently? I think that they are learning and will learn some good things. Like, okay, we know Kansas State's lost seven of eight, but remember what just happened at Oklahoma State? Yeah. So I think that could be a benefit for BYU in that first game. Absolutely. I, I think from a, you mentioned it before, but the defensive mentality that this team is, has been able to garner through the season, right? Like they hustle, man. Like they, they're ferocious. And, and we saw that against Baylor, right? Like their defense was outstanding, in my opinion. And when you can have a defensive type of mentality for a team and that's kind of your identity, you're a team that not many are going to sleep on. Right. And if they do, you're going to you're going to take them and you're going to wax the floor with them. Right. And hopefully when we get to Kansas, that defensive mentality is going to have to come out even more so. Right. That hustle, the guys that are able to kind of, you know, uh, uh, stand up, like I said, play with the chip on their shoulder, have the confidence that, hey, yeah, we're in Kansas. We're in their stadium. It's historically a phenomenal basketball sure. school. Not let any of that get to you and say, hey, I, I'm about to prove to the world or prove to the country like we belong, right? Because I do think that when you play somebody like Kansas, it is a, hey, we prove or we have an opportunity to prove that this is a conference that we belong in, right? Now, this is an interesting uh, screenshot that we're going to show you again here. We know that BYU, they go gangbusters at home. And, yeah, they've got some fantastic wins on their home floor this season. Against Iowa State, they beat Texas, they just beat Baylor. They're 2-4 and four in conference away from the Marriott Center, but the numbers are not that different. Okay, we're talking about a few percentage points here and there and a few points in points scored and points allowed. So BYU is outscoring opponents in Big 12 play at home essentially 77-74. to 74. So they're plus 3 at home. On the road, they're minus 4. So Austin, the the margin of error is really small. This is not like BYU disappears on the road. They're competitive, but they have to find somewhere a bucket or two more, a made three-pointer or two more, one fewer turnover. You, you know what You know what stat I would love to see? I would love to see the amount of free throws, the amount of free throw attempts mm. per team. Like, is there a disparity in calls when we're away? Uh, who knows? I mean, like, I, I think... It depends on the game, but BYU typically this year, their team just doesn't get to the free throw line a lot, regardless whether they're home right. or away. Right. So maybe that is a way to generate some more points as you have to be more aggressive on the road. You have to try and create and initiate that contact. I don't know. The point is the, the margin of error is so thin. It, it is literally like a bucket or two, uh, a made three-pointer, like, because yeah. maybe you quell one of those momentum shifts when you knock down a yeah. shot when you're facing some adversity. So they're right there, but I think BYU – the benefit of learning from what just happened against Oklahoma State, and then you have some confidence from the Baylor game. No question. Let's go. In the preparation, says Austin Colley, during the week, you got to be in the right mindset. You either have it or you don't. Have it or you don't, man. Our question of the day. 
we look at the two-game road swing coming up. What are fair expectations for BYU men's basketball and this two-game road swing, first at Kansas State on Saturday afternoon, and then at historic Fog Allen Fieldhouse on Tuesday night against Powerhouse Kansas, who has not lost on their home floor all season? Okay, we put out a poll question. We asked, you think two wins? Put on the blue goggles for that. <laughs> one win, one loss, or two losses? Now, percentages would say that BYU is going to go one and one. But Kansas State, it's a 63% win probability for BYU. That very much, based on that arena, where BYU is going, when the game happens, it's an afternoon scenario. That, feel, that feels like a coin flip game for me. And I think most of you responded in kind here. One win, one loss, 79% of the vote going for the road split. And I'm guessing that most of you are thinking, yeah, BYU can get Kansas State. Does anybody expect BYU to, to go in and beat Kansas? Like, I don't think so. I like what is the what is what is the case for BYU to win at Kansas? That is a conversation that maybe we have tomorrow, or maybe we have it on Monday. But I love this question, by the way. Oh yeah, great question. Thank you. Expectations. Way in, baby. For sure. Hashtag BYUSN. All right, let's get to topic two. I'm excited about this, Austin, because this is this is where you really can get into the nitty gritty. We're talking about BYU football, and we recently told everyone that Darius Lassiter revealed on social media that he's coming back for another season. He got his eligibility. The NCAA, thank you. You did the right thing for once. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Okay. They gave him an extra year of eligibility in spite of uh, that one play in JUCO, and they threatened to maybe say his career was over. But he's back. I can't help but think, man, that wide receiver room is super deep. Like, that might be the deepest position group. So my question for you is, what's the deepest position group on the BYU football roster as of today if it isn't the wide receivers? I think it is the wide receivers. Okay. 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 Am I allowed to say that? You are a former wide receiver. Okay. I mean, there's some bias. I mean, there is some maybe. bias. There's, there was a little bias opinion in there. But, but I actually think there's some facts to back that up. No no question, right? We got, we got Chase Roberts. We got Darius Lasseter. We got Cody Epps. We got Parker Kingston. We got Keelan Marion. This group, the thing that I love about this group is the fact that it's extremely well-rounded. We got speed. We got route runners, technicians, we got hands, okay? And we're going to need all, all the, the uh, facets of, of being a technical receiver we are going to need because that is where we are going to be able to thrive, especially in the offense that Aaron Roderick runs. Guys are going to need to get open. We're going to need to make contested catches. And I think every single one of these guys has the capability to have, you know, a uh, uh, you know, a blow-up game, if you will. Yeah. Uh, games where they can just go off. Any number, any one of these guys can be a guy um, that has 10 for, you know, 150 a game, right? And when you're that deep um, and you have that many players that are capable of having games like that, it's it's exciting, right? Now, it is going to be tricky to see how they, they incorporate them into the offense. One of the things that I have, um, you know, one of the things that I've always – I don't want to say been against, but like haven't really loved is the rotation that happens yeah. on the field, right? So many guys playing. So many guys. And so many guys touching the ball. And, that, and that's, I mean, you can do that with this group, but there is something to be said about as a receiver finding the groove mm. with your quarterback, being able to have the reps in a game to acclimate and to be able to see where the holes are going to be, where the defensive drops are going to be, getting to know the the characteristics of the DBs and the linebackers that you are going against, how a defense plays, what are their tendencies, right? And, you know, it, it's not so much in the, like, uh, um, the 
intended, you know, scouting on your part when you're over there. But, like, there is this, like, innate feel for the mm-hmm. game that you do develop over time. Sure. Uh, the other thing that I love is this group was like a uh, – this was a very new group last year, right? We had parts coming in from the transfer portal. We had new guys that maybe hadn't gotten a ton of reps the pr- uh, season prior or a ton of touches the season prior that we were going to lean heavily on. Freshmen, right, like Parker Kingston. And now – being in a system, every all these guys being in a system for a full year, knowing what's expected of them, like that's exciting to me. They all have notable, meaningful game reps. Exactly. Like all of the production really is back. And it, I mean, to answer this question, the moment that BYU football decided to move Keanu Hill to tight end told me they have a lot of talent in the room. Right. And they need some help in the tight end group. Right. And so when Keanu moved, I was like, wow, there's real depth there. Yeah. Right. And they were anticipating that Darius would get his waiver, which he did. Um, I love that they're all back. I think, I guess, as a follow up question to what you were just talking about, because this is the deepest room and, and you want to see, like, maybe the rotation get a little smaller. What's the, how, how is uh, the approach there ideal for this team? Like, do you, do you have three wide receivers play 75% of the snaps? Like, what, how does that ratio work out? So in my mind, right, if I were Fessy, right, and Fessy does a phenomenal job, there's not a bigger fan of, of how Fessy handles these receivers, the things he's teaching them, the freedom he gives these kids, and I use that word a lot, freedom, and, and not a lot of coaches give that, right? Um, the, the ability to experiment and to be able to try different things and not, not have anything or use those mistakes if it doesn't work out against them. Um, but the, the one thing that I would do is I would have my two guys, and I'd say these two guys do not come off the field until they need a break. Okay. They say when they're coming out. Basically. Because I, I think that's extremely important, right? Okay. Like, I think Chase is one of those guys. Chase has the ability. Chase needed to, you know, get some work in this offseason at the top of his routes, being able to get in and out a, a little bit more quickly, a little bit more efficient, which he is doing, right? Um, a little bit more confidence, I believe, now that he knows what he's going into with the Big 12 coverage. Um, but like, I think Chase is one of those guys. I say uh, Chase doesn't come out because he has this ability, he has this knack to make plays even when he shouldn't, mm. right? Even when there's a broken play or a route is being ran wrong or being covered, like he has this innate ability to make a play on the ball. And those are the type of guys that we need out there every play because mm. they're the ones who are going to be setting the tone, setting the momentum, right, and dictating the outcomes of the game. All right. Uh, you said it early in his career. You said to me on the side, Chase Roberts is special. He's a dude. He can play for sure. Now, the wide receivers, we agree. Clearly, we think is the deepest position group. Some things to think about as we push forward into spring ball. The safeties are an interesting group Very. because of all of the injuries that happened last year, they developed Well, we were bunch, playing with like four deep on the roster, right? Fourth and fifth string safeties. Yeah. Those guys got experience, and so now all of a sudden that room – has some depth, right? Just because they had to play a lot of guys. Michael Harper's back from an ACL. Ethan Slade was a regular cog for Jay Hill back there. Talon Alfrey, Crew Wakely, Tanner right. Wall, Raider DeMooney. So the safeties are like, they have some sneaky depth there. And then the offensive line, we were all kind of freaking out about it. It's like, man, who are they going to bring back? Yeah. Like, what the heck is TJ Woods going to have to work with? Well, Connor Pay says, I'm coming back. Braden Kime, back. Waden Lapuaho, another starter, back. Caleb Etienne, we hope that he can make a transition with some new coaching. Four returning starters there, Austin. Absolutely. I think they're a dark horse, brother. Okay. I think they're a dark horse. Anyways, coming up next, BYU Basketball with Mark Pope returns tonight featuring all the assistant coaches. 
The coaching staff will recap an important win over Baylor and preview the Kansas road trip, big road trip for the Cougs. You can watch at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Right after the break, ESPN's Roxy Bernstein, the man who called BYU's win over number 11 Baylor, joins the program. Which number stood out to him most of all from that victory, and what are his expectations for the Cougars as they head to the Sunflower State? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Ali Khalifa steps way out for three. Down tipped out to Dallin Hall. He goes to the basket and he lays it in the other way. Denied by Jackson Robinson. Oh, some fantastic moments from BYU's win over Baylor as called by our good friend Roxy Bernstein at ESPN. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Austin Colley. And wouldn't you know, you just heard his voice. We're going to bring him in live over Zoom from the Bay Area. Roxy Bernstein is back on BYU Sports Station. It's been too long since we've done this in this format, Roxy. It's great to see you rocking the swag and to have you back on the show. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Spence. All right. Uh, you just saw BYU in, uh, in an epic atmosphere at the Marriott Center with a sellout on a Tuesday night, for crying out loud. But BYU needed that crowd uh, to beat a very good Baylor team. As you kind of assess what happened, and we're now a few days removed from it, what to you was the most impressive stat or trend that BYU showed you in that win? I think it was the offensive rebounds. That, that BYU had 16 offensive rebounds in that game. Look, we, they made 14 threes, but we come to expect BYU making threes, right? And th- if that's their recipe. That's what they're going to do. But 16 offensive rebounds against a very good rebounding team. Baylor's one of the, as far as rebound margin goes, one of the top 20 rebounding teams in the country. And BYU had 16 offensive rebounds, and they kept getting second and third opportunities. That, to me, was the game mm. that Baylor Baylor didn't play poorly. I just thought BYU played, I don't want to say a little bit harder, but they certainly were more opportunistic in that game. And that's what it came down to was the number of offensive rebounds that BYU had. Speaking of rebounds, Roxy, and speaking of three-pointers, I know, uh, you know, Ali Khalifa's presence, I think, has been felt every game he's been in, whether it's through assists, rebounding, or just like his last game, coming on pretty early in the three-point game. What, uh, what have you thought of his performance so far? He's so fun to watch, Austin, because he's just so different. Yeah. Right? You don't see big men. We're seeing more and more big men shoot the three. But Ali Khalifa's passing ability and his ability to run the off and Mark Pope's ability to run the offense through his center at the top of the arc is something that's very challenging, I think, for teams to try to defend. And we saw Baylor struggle with it. And Eve Misi, who is going to go in the first round of the NBA draft coming up in June, yeah. he is a tremendous talent and a very good player. But he was in an uncomfortable position because he's not used to stepping out and trying to defend that. And it really posed problems for Baylor. And Misi, we saw it a few times, was a little slow to get out. And then you were caught in some mismatches and some switches. And I remember one time, because the Baylor bench is right in front of us, Scott Drew slammed the table in frustration because Baylor was just a little bit tardy on a switch. You can't do that with BYU. You have to be 
up in their face. You have to go over the ball screens. And if you don't, they're going to make you pay as BYU made Baylor pay Tuesday night. Roxy Bernstein of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. And Roxy, you've known BYU and followed them and called so many of their games through their West Coast Conference years. And now you've called multiple games with BYU in year one of the Big 12. In your opinion, where has BYU made the biggest improvement in transitioning from the WCC now to the best college basketball conference in America? Well, the roster has the makeup, Spence, to be in the Big 12. You can see what their athleticism, their size. Um, but I, I think what makes it for BYU, their ability to compete at the top of the Big 12, especially with this group, is how unique they are offensively. Mm. And what Mark Pope is doing that really is troubling for defenses. You look at the past and the teams, Dave Rose had excellent teams. And they were so fun to watch. It was a fantastic game to be a part of, but it wasn't this complicated offensively. They would attack, they would shoot threes, but when you had dynamic scores like they did over the years, whether it was Jimmer, whether it was Hawes, you go on and on and on with the great players that they had, but it was a different feel because of what Mark Pope does offensively with his scheme. And Chris Fatola got into it during the broadcast and we were talking about it Tuesday night that all the ball screens and the triple actions that BYU does makes it extremely difficult. And in a quick turnaround for teams to get ready for this, it's not easy. And Chris equated it to football teams trying to match up with an Army or a Navy or an Air Force because of the uniqueness of what they do offensively. It's similar in terms of the way you defend. In Like, for example, transition defense. You're getting back. You're you're taught to protect the lane, right? You work your defense from the inside out. You can't do that with BYU. <laughs> you have to play almost from the outside in, which goes completely against your mindset and what you've been taught to do all these years of playing basketball. So that's the challenge for teams matching up with BYU is to go against your conventional scheme, if you will, and your plan and your mindset just because BYU, what they do is so different than everybody else. So, Roxy, speaking of speaking of other teams' preparation and the uniqueness of preparing for BYU, BYU's got two very tough road games coming up, right? Kansas, Kansas State. We posed the question online to the Cougar fans everywhere what their expectations are for the two road game wins, right? I think statistically, as of right now, I think everybody's got it, you know, going one and one, right? Losing against Kansas, <laughs> beating Kansas State. What are your expectations for BYU in those two road game wins? It's funny because these are the type of weekends, because you guys know I do so much Pac-12 stuff. And even, you know, when the WCC had the travel partners when BYU was in the league, the the the, the goal was always protect your home court yes. and come away with a split on the road. Yes. And I think that needs to be the mentality. You don't want to come home 0-2, so you got to come up with a split. And certainly the Kansas State game would be probably a little bit more favorable <laughs> as far as getting a win. I'm not saying that Kansas State's not a good team because they are. You don't, you don't believe it. in miracles, Roxy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are 44 years removed today from the miracle on ice. so That's true. But, you know, Kansas is one of the elite teams that's a legitimate threat to win the national title. I have some concerns about Kansas's depth, though the frontline talent is phenomenal. But in, when you look at 
going on the road, it's not easy. And it's been tough everywhere in college basketball this year for teams to win on the road. And we've seen BYU struggle with it. For example, Mark Pope was lamenting to us about defensively how they had some slippage in the game last Saturday when they went to Stillwater and played Oklahoma State. So you need to have certainly everything buttoned up and locked in when you're going on the road. But the approach has to be different, and that's what BYU really needs to do is focus in on they can't even worry about Kansas. They have to worry about Kansas State first. Roxy Bernstein on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's play the hypothetical game, Roxy. I know you'll do this. Some, <laughs> okay. some of your comrades don't want to do this. Uh, we asked Jay Billis the same hey, question. How dare you throw Sean Farnham under the bus <laughs> like that? We love, we love Sean. Some, some have some trepidation about doing this. But okay. Joel lenardi has been bouncing BYU back and forth between a five and a six seed. If you were to seed BYU and the NCAA tournament were starting three days from now, what has BYU earned as far as the seed line goes? I think at this point, and here we are, we still have about a month until the Big 12 tournament and the rest of the season to go. I think BYU is on that 5-6 line. And I'd almost rather be a 6 than a 5, to be honest with you. Yeah. But... You, you can only play who's in front of you. And we all know the NCAA tournament's dictated in matchups. But they've cemented themselves in the field. And the way they play, and as we talked about earlier, Spence, these tough turnarounds, it's going to be challenging. Let's say BYU wins their first game. Then you have about 48 hours to prepare for what is so different than what everybody else does in the country. That second game is going to be extremely challenging for whoever gets BYU. Assuming mm. BYU wins their first game in the tournament. But in that second round matchup, that's going to be the tough thing is turning around and the challenge is trying to figure out what BYU is trying to do. Great stuff, Roxy. We'll finish with this, and we discussed this yesterday. We It was shown during the broadcast that you called between BYU and Baylor, every year that BYU has beaten at least three ranked teams, they have won at least one NCAA tournament game, which is a wild stat. So I hope you're right and that BYU does have a second game that a team has to prepare for them on a short turnaround because I agree with you. The Cougars are so unique that just maybe, maybe they can get past that first-round game, quick turnaround, and BYU in the Sweet 16 is, I know it sounds wild, but it's a, it feels like it, it, it's a possibility it's this year. It's got a nice ring to it. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. It, it. It's very real for BYU to do that. Mark Pope's probably just right now muttering to himself about us talking about this right now <laughs> because every coach is worried about the task at hand. Yes. And Mark Pope's not even thinking about Kansas. He's thinking about Kansas State, let alone we're talking about the NCAA tournament right yeah, now. Yeah. But there is that unique matchup which would favor BYU in that quick turnaround. Regardless of, let's say they're a six, they're playing three or in that four five matchup. That's the challenge for teams is coming back on a quick turnaround and 48 hours to get ready for all the different sets and all the motions and all the different schemes that, that Mark Pope has, because as we know, he's a brilliant offensive mind that is going to pose nightmares for assistant coaches on Bay, uh, BYU's opponents. And they're not going to get any sleep from the time that that team wins their first round game, assuming that BYU is their second round matchup. 
Uh, Roxy, just so you know, as we wrap up, we've placed a phone call to your bosses at ESPN and have requested that you do more BYU basketball games. So um... I have no problem with that. <laughs> I had to bring home a bunch of cinnamon rolls from Shirley's. <laughs> so, you know, I stopped at the airport before I went to the airport yesterday. And, you know, I'm rocking the BYU Sports Nation swag. So, you know. We love it. We love it. Roxy, thank you so I, much I for stopping please. by, brother. <laughs> great great to talk it, to you, brother. Thanks we'll talk to you again me. soon. Okay. Roxy, okay. Roxy Bernstein of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. He is, uh, I mean, a pro's pro for yeah. sure. It's always fun to get an expert's when, opinion. When it comes to play-by-play right? play and college basketball, not just that, he covers a ton of college football too. Like he's very versatile, but uh, so grateful to have him as part yeah. of our group here with BYU Sports. No question. Before the Cues get to the tournament, though, they got uh, two road games oh, man. in the state of just Kansas. Win one! At Kansas, at Kansas State on Saturday, pregame coverage begins at 1 Eastern on BYU Radio. Mark Pope, well, whether he wants national recognition or not, it is incoming, specifically for his coaching job this season. Is he a Coach of the Year candidate? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Austin. Let's roll out your headlines. Let's do it. As BYU's men's basketball prepares for a two-game road trip to the state of Kansas, let's take a look at their team sheet. BYU has a record of 19-7 overall and 7-6 in the Big 12. They have a 4-5 quad one record and a 3-2 record in quad two games. They're currently ranked 25 in the AP pool, 11th in the net, and 15th in the Ken Palm. Currently a sixth seed in Joe Lunardi's latest bracketology. Let's go. BYU women's basketball, tough game last night. Lose at home to TCU, 68-58. Lauren Gustin, 13 points, 16 rebounds, her 82nd career double-double. But BYU allowed 14 made threes from TCU. Cougars now fall to 15-13 and 13 overall, 5-10 in the Big 12. Up next, BYU with a road game, tough environment at Iowa State on Saturday. And BYU baseball lost its third straight game last night, 8-0 at Cal. Cal scored five runs in the first two innings and never looked back. BYU was held to just four hits and left nine runners, nine, on base in that loss. Up next is a three-game series at a tough UC Davis team beginning with game one today. BYU softball opens playing the Mary Nutter Classic today in Palm Springs. The Cougars will play five games over the next three days, beginning with two today against Bethune-Cookman and UC Riverside. The Cougars off to a nice start, 8-2 so far this season. BYU men's tennis plays at Weber State this morning. BYU is 6-3 on the season and has won five straight matches. And former BYU golfer and PGA Tour rookie Patrick Fishburne tees off on tour today at the Mexico Open at Vedanta Vallarta. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Austin, what do you have for us to begin? So college basketball, basketball analyst Jeff Goodman okay, ranked his top 10 candidates of National Coach of the Year as of today. Okay. And guess who was on it? Uh, Mark Pope. None other than Mark Pope at number 10. Okay. Okay. Is this clearly the best coaching job that Mark Pope has had at BYU? I am inclined to say yes, it is. I know he's had some incredible runs, especially year number one. I know COVID eventually shut that thing down, but in year one, he got Yoli Childs to come back and brought Jake Toulson over and got TJ Haas to go to another level. 
That BYU team was special. They beat number two Gonzaga. It was in year one. But we're talking about the Big 12, Austin. We're talking about BYU finishing fifth in the West Coast Conference in back-to-back -back seasons and now being a real player in the Big 12. So yes, to me, this is the best coaching job that Mark Pope has ever done. Yeah, just talk to, to his, his, his ability to get this team ready, to take their abilities to a next level, right? I mean, and that's, that's all in the coaching. Rising tides. Hey, the SEC and Big Ten have proposed a college football playoff format where both conferences would get four automatic bids each. Okay, that would leave either four remaining spots for the other conferences in the current 12-team model or six total playoff spots for the other conferences in a possible future 14-team model that the SEC and Big Ten propose should start in 2026. What are your thoughts on these ideas from the SEC and Big Ten? Well, listen, with the new additions of the SEC and the Big Ten, I mean, it is getting um, – I mean, the, the SEC is getting big. I think the Big 12, if any conference deserves four teams to get in there, I mean, it's definitely the Big 12, right? Only because of how many teams we have added on, right? Well, all these, all these conferences are going to have 16 teams or right. more now. Exactly, right? But you would like to see the better competition in the playoff, right? Sure. Um, and I do think it, it might have to come down to, you know, a weight system, right? Well, per, per talent inside each conference. They want four automatic bids, though. Like, I'm okay if the power conferences, notably the SEC and Big Ten, have, like, multiple automatic bids, but four? Yeah, four's crazy. Four's a lot. It's aggressive. Like, two? Okay, two. Yeah. Like, you have two automatic bids for your two best teams, fine. You have a huge conference. You are probably the best conference. I like that. Okay. I can't, go, I can't get on board for four, though. I mean, the Big Ten, other than Michigan and Ohio State, I mean, yeah, what, what are UCLA there? and UC at USC? What will they be in the future? I know Wisconsin fans are like, hey, what about us? You know, Penn State's like, hey, what about us? Yeah, but you're, you're anybody at any given year, right? Unless you're Michigan and Ohio State. They just haven't been as consistent. Penn State probably has the best case outside of those two. That's true. Uh, but I'm, oh, I'm okay with two automatic spots. Four? Nah, too many. Yeah. All right, BYU baseball will look to bounce back from the loss to Cal tonight at UC Davis. Like we said, tough Davis team. Today's game is the first of the three-game series. You can listen to Dave McCain on the call at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. All right, we just talked about Keanu Hill about 15 minutes ago, making the move from the wide receiver room to the tight end group. He'll join us next. Why he's ready for big things after the decision to switch positions for Cougar football. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Hill, the veteran, 6'4", and cannot be brought down. This is really just waiting. When the ball comes to me, just, just got to go and then be a playmaker and go make plays. Slow this to Hill for a touchdown. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, teamed up with Austin Colley. I'm Spencer Linton, and we welcome in the newest member of the tight end group at BYU. He is Keanu Hill, proven receiver. And Keanu, I've talked to you about this. Like, you've always been one of the most underappreciated players on this BYU football team. Such an addition, and now you move to the tight end group. How are you feeling about the move uh, in this transition? I feel great. I mean, right now I've just been going through like the little plays and little details with the whole blocking schemes and gap schemes. It's, it's been it's been going great for me. So, do you think 
you mentioned, I was going to ask you this, you mentioned the, the, the switch has been great. You just got done saying prior to coming on the show that uh, you're already loving what you're doing. What do you think, you mentioned blocking, what do you think is going to be the most difficult part about this transition? Do you um, think it's in the blocking? Uh, I would say probably most likely blocking just because I'm going against bigger bodies, going against DNs, going against middle linebackers, Will, Sam. So I feel like it, that would probably be the hardest part, but I don't think it would be too hard for me because as I feel like I'm putting on film that I'm a good blocker yep. as a receiver, so I don't think it would be too hard for me. You said you beefed up. How much How much you walking around, uh, around at right yeah, now? I'm walking around at 240. 240! Right <laughs> That's a big dude. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. It, what, what's great about it is I look at you, you don't look 240, yes, which means you're as lean as they come at 240, yes, right? Which is yes, great. Sir. And that also comes with my DNA. A lot of polys, they can hold weight really well, too. <laughs> <laughs> they, can hide, they can hide that pork, bro. Yeah, you know what they can do, man. <laughs> they got a lot of friends back home. Uh, Keanu Kibo Hill is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Um, what's gone into your diet? Like, how, how do you, health, in a healthy way, put on mass and and muscle and weight when you make this transition um just always just getting with dan all the time because i think when i told him i was going to make the decision to move there I, the first person i got was my nutritionist was dan wilcox man he's been helping me a lot with eating right and stuff like that and he's got me on this meal plan where i'm eating morning lunch dinner and he got snacks in between but mostly trying to take in and take more protein and anything so let's go the one thing that i love about this move okay I, i'm super excited i think i think uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that you will probably be one of the most impactful players on the field this next year just because of your sheer ability. I've seen you run routes. I've worked with you a little bit. Your ability to run routes at your size, like we, we're now on the cusp of like Dennis Pitta territory, Ooh, right, okay. where we have route running capability. He has the size to move bodies around. The wide receiver DNA. The wide receiver <laughs> DNA, which is like, I mean, to, in all honesty, dude, if you have that as a tight end nowadays, and tell me if I'm wrong, Keanu, but if you've got that as a tight end nowadays, I mean, that is, in today's system, that is, that's 80% of it, right? But now, Keanu's going up against linebackers instead of DBs, right? So he's already has the edge, has the advantage of all these guys, just given the ability. Working with the new coach, how's that been? It's been good, really. He's been, like, ever since he's came in, he's been doing nothing but helpful to me, man, just because he's came from the, the next level. He's been working with guys I've been watching, like Evan Ingram and guys like things of that nature. So he's been really helpful to me just because he doesn't try to complicate too much. He keeps everything simple. Like, there's been a couple of times where we will go out to the field and he'll teach me some things, but he keeps it to a very simple base. He doesn't want to try to overcomplicate things or anything like that. So it's been really, really helpful for me, especially, so... Kevin Gilbride is a great addition, as is T.J. Woods on the offensive line. So because you are now blocking, do, do you work primarily with, with Coach Gilbride and the blocking techniques, or has, has Coach Woods come over to help you out with that as well? Uh, I usually There was one time where they had like a little walkthrough with, with the O-line with their new coach and stuff, and I went there and just watched this to see what, to see what his like brain and how he thinks and stuff like that. So, I mean, he seems very intelligent, so I can't wait to start working with him. So Spring ball begins uh, wildly. You know, and we we get into like kind of the meat of this in just a few days. But Austin was just talking about because you have the wide receiver backdrop, and that's what you've always done. Like, how do you feel like you will be able to maximize that as an advantage the most as a tight end? I feel like just being very, um, it probably just confuse defenses a lot. Just seeing like when I come in, or not even when I come in, when I'm in the game. You know, they got a game plan for me because you know they probably can't just keep a regular. Uh, 
a linebacker on me, they probably got to bring in like a nickel or move people around for me. So it would be very like complicated for people to game plan against me, I feel like. And that's what me and A-Rod have been talking about. You know, he can do like a lot of things with me, mm. you know, put me in the slot, put me down where I can come in, still block and do things like that, that nature. But it mainly just get me in the passing game. So I, I, I'm telling you, I've got a feeling we're going to look back and you're going to look back on your career and be like, everything has led me to yes. be at this position. Oh, for I'm sure, telling for sure. you, right? Like your skill set's incredible. I, I, if you can tell, dude, I'm, I'm super excited about <laughs> yes, this, sir. right? Yes, sir. Um, we know that Gary Bohannon's here. Mm-hmm. You've had a chance to throw with him a little bit. You've had, you know, obviously you have Jake. What's it like? Because I, I have never experienced this, and I can imagine that it, the uncertainty is a little unsettling, but like going into the season and not knowing exactly who the starter is going to be, does that impact the way that you guys prepare during the offseason? I mean, does that kind of change your mindset a little bit as far as the way that you prepare in the offseason? Um, not really, honestly, but I would say in that room is very it's very competitive right now. I would say so myself, just being in the being in being around those guys, all that is very competitive right Which now. Which is a great thing. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. That's yeah. what I that's what I really love. I love I love people have was being competitive and stuff like that. So Right now, I don't think it's too hard, but, you know, people are like, like I said, it's just very competitive in that room right now. People are just trying to get people to come out, go throw and stuff like that. We just try to get people all in one on the same page. So, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens this spring. Uh, Gary is a mystery of sorts. I mean, he's, he's the new guy. He's the transfer, and every BYU fan wants to know, like, okay, what's, what's he got? What's he about? Is he, is he really okay? What are you seeing from him? From him, I see, I like, ever since he's came in, he's been a very confident man about himself. You know, he's, he came in, just he didn't, like, really try to, like, shy away from anything. He came in and he's being himself, you know, getting to know everybody, getting to show people what he's all about, I feel like. And that's what I really like about, I really like about him. He's very outgoing and stuff like that, so. Hey, I need to bring up something before we finish this interview. I thought this was so cool. Uh, we love your dad, Lloyd. He's awesome. Uh, super BYU super fan. We know we, we know he has his Texas Tech roots, but BYU super fan obviously is your number one fan. He sent me a picture of you and Max Acemus when you were playing competition basketball in your younger years, and I was like, no way. Look at Max, number 24, bottom left. And then, and then you got to reunite with him mm-hmm. during the BYU-Texas game after mm-hmm. BYU won that. What was that like for you, that experience? It was great just seeing him, man. You know, he competing at a high level, you know, you know, he's he's a big name right now in college basketball, man. You know, he's a great point guard. He's a great friend, too, man. And just ever since we've been growing up with him, he's always had that, always wanted to be great, always wanted to be good, and always wanted to improve and things like that. So even when I was playing with him, every time he got the ball, I was already at the rim, ready for him to shoot the ball. So <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I, was just that, I was just that guy for him. But uh, it's great seeing him, you know, competing at this level, you know, getting his talk and name, stuff like that. I can't wait till he gets to the next level and does great things. You thing. still hoop, Kibo? Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I'm, I'm more of a hustler, if anything. But yeah, I could still hoop. I could do all those things. So, <laughs> talk about tight ends playing ball, right? No, listen. I always say the guy can hoop. He can play receiver or play tight end, <laughs> right? For certain. Uh, what what's uh, what's one of the most uh, things that you look forward to? I should say uh, the most going into spring ball. Um, just seeing what Coach got plans for me, honestly, because he's always talking about what he could do with me at, at the tight end position. So just waiting to see what. You know, what plays he's got for me, what, how he could dress things up for me and stuff like that. So I can't wait to see what Coach has got for me. It's been that. great to have you. Keanu Hill with us on BYU Sports Station. Congrats on everything. And, man, we wish you the best of luck this transition. Thank you. Throw the man the ball. <laughs> Let's go. Big year. I'm right? telling you, dog. Big year. Let's I'm do excited. this. All right, awesome. we got coming up next. Or yep. I, I guess we should say 
program, alternate programming we need to promote yes. here. I mean, we could talk ball all day, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, on this week's Her Why podcast, Lauren McClain sits down with Carly Ellett, wife of Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Port Ellett, Porter Ellett, and talks about Porter's workload, sacrifices she has to make for the family, the bond between coaches' wives, and more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. A super unique, cool story with the Ellets and the Kansas City Chiefs. Up next, what do you expect from BYU men's basketball on their two-game road trip beginning at Kansas State, followed by Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas? Split's good enough, right? More of your responses on the way after this. BYU BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back with our question of the day. What are fair expectations for BYU men's basketball in their two-game road swing at Kansas State first, then at Kansas? This is wild on Instagram, Austin, okay? 20% of the voters on Instagram say two wins. Like, the blue goggles are thick on Instagram, which I can appreciate for sure. But on X, it's only 8%. So apparently the X crowd is... uh, a little bit more. That, that's a young crowd on the gram, bro. <laughs> They're feeling a little more trepidation yeah. than Instagram. Uh, 78% on X and 75% on Instagram say one win, one loss. I think that's a fair expectation. This team's good enough to get a road split here and beat Kansas. And just like Roxy said, that's, that's all you can hope for, right? Split down the middle, right? Yes. One on one, let's go. All right, our elite voice today presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. <laughs> Comes in from Thank You Larry Scott on X. Here's hoping Coach is taking his ruby slippers to Kansas and then brings the team courage, heart, and they use their brains and above all believe they can, as demonstrated on Tuesday, win both games in Kansas. I see what you did there, Larry Scott, yes. with the slippers. Love that. It's well done. Yes, a little Wizard of Oz reference. Today's Rise is shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. To the return of college football in video game format, NCAA 25 is going to be released this summer, Austin. Oh, do you the get, cover's kind of lit right there. I love that. Do you, do you get 600 bucks in retrospect? <laughs> I, like I, retroactive? I need, I need to call my agent. <laughs> we need to make that happen. I can use that 600 right now. <laughs> okay. It's some golf money, you know, right. something, right? Golf money, a little fun money. Little Disneyland money for the kids, get the, right? It's a free copy of the game. No question. All right, thanks to today's guests, Roxy Bernstein and Keanu Hill. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time, homie. For Austin, I am Spencer. Shout out to Steve Clements. See you tomorrow for a Friday edition of BYUSN.